Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. Mr. President at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. We invite you now to become better acquainted with one of America's greatest men. These are little-known stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. It was a rainy day in Washington. The president sat at his desk. He was annoyed, irritated, and uncomfortable. And he was trying hard to keep his temper under control. <laughs> flowers on my desk, flowers under my desk, flowers in every desk drawer. Doesn't he know I've got hay for feet? John? John! I want you here quickly. John! Hi, Father. You calling me? I was not shouting your name to give my lungs exercise. What's that you're eating? Chicken leg. Delicious, too. Hey, want a bite? No, I do not. I... Bless you. You aren't catching cold, are you? No, I'm not catching cold. You know I have hay fever. What's the idea of bringing all these flowers in here? Oh, I just thought I'd brighten up the place a bit. John, when are you going to grow up? I'm taller than you are right now. Oh, never mind. Young man, are you walking around barefooted? Well, of course. I had to go into the kitchen to forage for food, didn't I? Well, it's raining today. And you know what happens to our kitchen floor when it rains. I know. It's, it, it's, it's flooded. That's right. Yeah. Congress will just have to do something about the drainage in that kitchen. Why don't you ask for an appropriation? Well, I've already asked for $27,000 for new furniture and furnishings. I'd be lucky to get that. I can't ask for more money so soon. Oh, it's all right for you. You don't spend much time in the kitchen. But I like a little snack between meals. <laughs> well, I'll have to make repairs, my son. That's all. It wouldn't do to thwart your promising career in the kitchen. Your apology is accepted, sir. My apology? Why, you don't yell fact. My apology, indeed. It's you who has a little explaining to do. Uh, you mean about those flowers? Huh? 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 Oh, bless you. <clears throat> Not another word about those confounded flowers. What I want to know is, what was the big idea of, of furnishing the party campaign committee with that slogan? What slogan, sir? You know very well what slogan. Vote early and often. Oh, it's a good one, isn't it? Too good. It smacks of dishonesty. If a majority of the people vote for me once, voting often won't be necessary. Besides, it's too early to think of re-election, my son. You know, you're embarrassing me. What am I going to do with you? Well, I, uh, I have been wanting a trip to Europe. 
Why not send me there as an ambassador? You? What do you think qualifies you as an ambassador? Well, I'm a lawyer. Well, you don't work at it very much. Well, you've got my brother, a soldier, serving as your secretary instead of fighting. Well, we're not at war. Someone to see you, sir. No, we were just talking about you. Pinch, hut, present, palm. What's that all about? <laughs> well, you're still a soldier, boy. Oh, don't be so smart. Ow, ow, ow. Yeah, Not boys, 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 no more horseplay. Stop it, I tell you. I, I can still crash both of you, you know. <laughs> Listen to poor deluded father. What? Clear out of here, both of you. And you, John, take these flowers with you. I, uh, uh, Bless you. Get out, go on. You said I had a visitor? Show him in. Yes, sir. President will see you now, Mr. Horton. Thank you. Oh, won't you sit down? You say you wish to see me? Yes, sir. Mr. President, I'm Zachary Horton. I'm in the lumber business in the Rooster County in Maine. Well, I'm happy to meet you, Mr. Horton. What can I do for you? You can do plenty, if you want to. Did you know that Ebenezer Greeley, a Maine citizen, has been arrested by Canadian authorities and thrown into jail in New Brunswick? No, I didn't know this. What was Mr. Greeley doing, and why was he arrested? Just doing his duty taking the census of the people of Madawaska and distributing them their share of surplus treasury money. The Canadians arrested him because they said he was bribing the inhabitants of the town to become partisans of the United States. Oh, I understand now. Yes, the, the town is in the disputed boundary territory. The town's in Maine. People consider themselves American citizens. They have a representative in the Maine legislature. Oh, I think the difficulty can be straightened out. You think? Mr. President, you don't understand... Canadians have been poaching on main ground long enough. They've been cutting timber that belongs to us and trying to drive us off our own land. Arresting our agent means war to the death. What are you going to do? Just what do you expect me to do? Send federal troops in to shoot down every Canadian poacher in our territory. And do you think that would be the end of this border dispute? Certainly. You afraid? No, Mr. Horton, I'm not afraid, but I see no reason to provoke unnecessary wars when troubles can be settled by peaceful means. We've tried peaceful means. Have you? Mr. Horton, look at the facts calmly. New Brunswick, a Canadian province, feels that Maine occupies some of its territory. It's not their territory, it's ours. Now, just a moment, please. Maine citizens like you feel that New Brunswick residents are poaching on Maine territory. This entire dispute came about because of the vague boundary lines stipulated by the Treaty of Paris in 1783. We know what's our land. New Brunswick feels the same. And yet, sir, this entire dispute could have been satisfactorily settled a few years ago. At that time, the King of the Netherlands offered a fair compromise solution. Maine refused it. It didn't give us everything we wanted. A compromise seldom does. As a result of Maine's refusal to accept the compromise, there will be more bitterness and more raids until a firm settlement can again be made by treaty. I don't believe in treaty. Guns will settle it faster and better. I cannot agree with you, sir. A war between two great nations over a few thousand miles of territory would be foolish and useless. We people of Maine want war. No, Mr. Horton, I don't believe that most residents of Maine really want war. Your governor hasn't asked for help. Evidently, he feels that he's able to cope, cope with the situation. Until he asks me for federal aid, I will not interfere. You listen to me. You sit here in Washington and think you can forget about us folks in the Northeast. Maybe at the next election you'll find Maine voting for the other man. Maybe. And I'd be sorry. But I still won't buy votes with a war. That's too high a price to pay for votes. Good day, Mr. Horton. (laughs) 
Mr. President, I have some letters here that won't make you happy. Uh, the correspondence runs true to form, son. What is it now? Well, this letter from our consul at Tangier says the Emperor of Morocco insists on sending you a gift of two horses and two lions. Oh, no. Yes. The consul says he tried his best to refuse, but it would have meant insulting the Emperor and risking our treaty with his country. Oh, in heaven's name, what am I going to do with lions and horses? That isn't all. There's a message from the Sultan of Muscat. Oh, yes, yes, the ruler of the East Arabian country. We've just concluded a treaty with him. It should be of great commercial benefit to us. Well, he's sending presents, too. Two Arabian horses, a string of pearls, four cashmere shawls, five jars of rose perfume, and a gold-mounted sword. Oh, no, no, I can't accept these gifts. <laughs> In the first place, our laws forbid public officers from receiving gifts. Congressmen like Tyler and Ogle have been complaining that I live like an oriental potentate now. You can imagine what they'd say if I were to accept lions and horses and perfume. Maybe with those animals, you'd need the perfume. Well, this is no laughing matter, son. You'll have to find some way of stopping these gifts. It's too late for that. The gifts are at sea now, on their way here. Then I must let Congress dispose of the problem. Whatever solution I'd suggest would be criticized. Well, well, Congress finally came through with the appropriation, I see. Yes, John. Yes, yes. No, don't, don't get in their way, will you? You, you, you? you men here, put the sofa down over here, will you please? Well, I'm glad to see a lot of this worn-out furniture being replaced. What about the draperies and the hangings, Father? Why didn't you get new ones while you were at it? There's no use in being extravagant, son. The old ones are in good conditions, cleaned up like this. They look almost new. Congressman Ogle here to see you, sir. <clears throat> Send him in, Abe. Tinch, hut! In one moment, Joker, it'll be engaged the enemy. Oh, now, you two, stop it, please. Send in the Congressman, Abe. Yes, sir. Isn't this the chap that's been giving you such a bad time in Congress? One of them. Ogle's been campaigning against me ever since I got into his office. Fine fellow. Oh, here come the mirrors and the lamps. Hey, these are good, Father. Yes, and they'll have to offer a lot of service. Oh, put the mirror up there on that wall, uh, please, men, will you? Uh, you know where the lamps go. Uh, Mr. President. Oh, hello, Congressman. We're in a bit of confusion just now. Uh, won't you sit down? I, sir, am not used to sitting in the lap of luxury. Oh, come now. I wouldn't call it luxury. I would. So this is how the people's cash is being spent. On looking glasses... Lamps, candlesticks, and couches. Yes, part of the money has been spent on these items. The furnishings here were really very shabby, you know. To a luxury lover, perhaps. I thought they were quite adequate. Is this your boasted democracy, sir? Do you think it uh, undemocratic to live well instead of meanly? I know about your aristocratic tastes, sir. I made strong suggestions in Congress that the White House be used only for business and ceremonial purposes and that you be asked to find living quarters as best you could. And I'm happy to say that your suggestion was not given serious consideration, even by members of your own party. I shall report on this further evidence of your democratic living. I have no doubt of that. Would it be more democratic for me to tear down the White House and build a log cabin here, or for me to live in a tent? Would that make you happy? Yes, I like to live graciously. But not extravagantly. Don't you call all this extravagant? No, Congressman, I call it necessary. I understand what motivates your continual attack, sir. They're campaign oratory, and you're wasting it on me. Uh, Congressman Ogle, I have one of the old chairs. Would you prefer to sit on that? Uh, I certainly would, young man. Here you are, sir. Yeah, thank you. It's perfectly good for anyone... Oh, oh, I hope... Oh. I, I hope you're not hurt, Mr. Congressman. Let me help I... you up, Congressman. You did that on purpose. 
You knew it was broken. Like father, like son, I say. Good day. Now, why did you have to do that? John, I have enough trouble without your pranks. Mr. President. What? The message from Governor Fairfield of Maine. Oh, what does it say? The soil of Maine has been attacked. He asks you for help. Let me see that. Maine land agents and 500 men attacked by force from New Brunswick. Land agents taken prisoner. This is serious. Prepare a message to Congress asking for appropriations and men to cope with this situation. Yes, sir. And ask General Scott to come here at once. This is no longer just a battle between Maine and New Brunswick. If it gets out of hand, it means a full-scale war between the United States and Great Britain. Uh, yes, General Scott. This Aroostook War at the main boundary has grown to serious proportions. Congress has authorized me to raise 50,000 troops and to spend $10 million if necessary in defending the threatened lands of northern Maine. What do you want me to do, Mr. President? I want you to take charge of operations in Maine. Do you want war, sir? If you do, all I have to do is look on in silence. The Maine people can make it hot, and they can do it fast enough. General, uh, I think a war can be avoided. I'm not so sure. Sir John Harvey, the lieutenant governor of New Brunswick, has issued a proclamation that seems quite warlike to Maine. He says unless American troops are recalled from the Aroostook, military force will be used against them. General, there are plenty of hotheads in this quarrel, I know. But you and I must keep cool. Unless we can get a peaceful settlement of this thing, we'll have a big war on our hands. I'll do my best, sir. But I can't give you any assurance that I can settle this peacefully. I know. Your best is all I ask of you. Try to get us an honorable peace. Persuade the hotheads, if you can, that there are capable men in Washington and London who can resolve this wisely without violence. And please keep me informed of all developments, eh? Yes, sir. I leave for Maine at once. Good. Good heavens, what's that infernal noise outside there? This may seem crazy to you, but it sounds like lions to me. Lions? Not here. Nobody would bring them here. Oh, Woody. Isn't that your son, John? Well, I'm afraid it is. Where did he get those beautiful Arabian horses hitched to that old wagon? And the lions in the cave? Well, at the Navy Yard, I suspect, where they were supposed to have been sold. John! John, will you step inside, please? Me? Of course, Father. Aren't they beauties? Just come in, please, will you? Well, Mr. President, I'd better be going. I may be running into a war. It's probably more dangerous staying around here. General Scott, I agree with you thoroughly. Goodbye. I'll keep you posted. Did you want to see me about something, Father? Did I want to see you about something, John? You're becoming a plain nuisance. Where did you get those animals? The Navy Yard in Philadelphia. Do you realize they were going to sell them there and that we wouldn't even have seen our gifts? Well, I realize it, and I was very happy about the whole thing. The money would have been turned over to the Treasury, and Congress could stop wrangling about whether I should or should not have permitted my consul to accept gifts from foreign power. This little prank of yours will only give the Whigs more campaign ammunition against me. Oh, sorry about that. You but... should be. Now, how did you wangle the release of these animals? Well, I told the officer in charge that we wanted to exhibit them for a few days before we returned them to be sold. Mm, you would. Well, the exhibition is over. You're going to take them back at once. What are you putting on my desk there? Look, Dad, did you ever see prettier flowers? Oh, no, I... <laughs> Bless you. 
you rascal. You know flowers bring on my hay fever. Now take them out of here. All right, I will, Dad. But do you want to know something? What? These aren't real. They're hmm? made of paper and wool. I brought them from Philadelphia. You just sneezed at a memory. Oh, this is too much this time, John. I'm letting you go to Europe. An ocean between us may give me a little peace of mind. Well, thank you, Father. That's what I've been waiting to hear you say. about? I can't hear you, Abe, but there's too much noise. I know. What are they doing? Well, they're putting in the pipes. Uh, we've finally got an appropriation for a new drainage system. The new hot air furnace. Oh, you mean the kitchen floor won't be full of water every time it rains? I hope not. Have you heard from John lately? Had a letter this morning. John's having the time of his life. He's hobnobbing with all the royalty. Yes, he would, he they would. They seem to like him, too. He can be a very charming fellow when he wants to be. Yes, I know. Being the son of the president does him no harm either. I hope he continues to behave himself. And what, may I ask, is going on here? Oh, Congressman Ogle, I didn't know you were here. Your secretary wasn't at his desk, nor you at yours. I ushered myself in. I'm sorry, Congressman. I just stopped in the kitchen to see what was happening here. Never mind the excuses. Spending money seems to be the most important occupation around here. Something else, a government expense, I presume. It so happens, Mr. Ogle, that the kitchen has been in sad need of uh, better drainage ever since my arrival here. We're finally getting this repaired. We're also installing one of the new hot air furnaces. Your predecessors in this office didn't have hot air f- uh, furnaces? Obviously. This is uh, a recent invention. Uh, you, of course, must keep up with the latest. I will report this new extravagance to Congress, sir. I'm sure you will, Congressman. I consider this a type of uh, fiddling while Maine burns, sir. Just what are you doing for the embattled people of Maine fighting for their lives? I was unaware that they were fighting for their lives as yet, Congressman. Do you have special information which has not reached me? You know very well that Maine has troops in the field facing a British army. To protect the boundary, not to fight a war. I reported to Congress that I sent General Scott there to secure peace if possible. Do you consider it honorable to pursue peace when Maine's soil has been attacked and Maine's citizens thrown into a foreign prison? The ownership of the land is a matter of question. The case of the men can be settled without trouble. I do not feel these issues are large enough to warrant a major war. I don't agree with that. That is your privilege, sir. But may I remind you that you are a representative from Pennsylvania. Maine is somewhat out of your jurisdiction. (laughs) I do not have to come to this house to be insulted. Congress shall hear about this. Good day, Mr. President. Mr. President, the fat's really in the fire. What is it now, son? Brother John. Oh, I thought he was in London and behaving himself. Well, yes, but you know he's been at the state dinner given by Queen Victoria, along with all sorts of princes and yes, lords. Yes, yes, I know. The papers have been calling him Prince John. Today in Congress, Mr. Ogle hit at you again, through John. Ogle again. <laughs> For weeks he's been harping in Congress about how I live in royal splendor and how very foreign this is to anything democratic. I know it's part of his campaign material to beat you for re-election. 
But today he said that Prince John has been honored with wine sipping with a pretty little queen, and the queen was highly delighted with our prince. Ah, I see his strategy. A campaign to tie me up with monarchy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he went on to say, our prince, mind you. We must get familiar with those things, for we must come to them. We have a president who is so great a favorite with the English nobility that when his son goes there, they rank him above the titled nobleman. Well, I wouldn't worry about it, son. My enemies didn't want me elected, and they don't want me re-elected. My friends will see through Ogle's jibes about royalty. There are a lot of plain people who are neither friends nor enemies. People who believe what congressmen say in speeches reported to their newspapers. I think this Prince John speech will hurt your chances of re-election. Perhaps but not nearly as much as the gold-plated spoons that President Monroe brought into this house. The outspoken congressman has changed them into a complete set of gold dishes which I purchased at government expense in order to eat like a king. Well, can't you do something about it? What? Protest my innocence of his charges? Get into a newspaper argument with him? Oh, he'd like nothing better. No, no, my boy. It's best to ignore his ranting. You have more important things to do. Do we have any news from Maine yet? Not yet, sir. Last reports were the tempers are still high there. Troops are still massed. But no reports of actual fighting? No, sir. Good. That's a hopeful sign. I have great confidence in General Scott. If anyone can achieve our objective in Maine, he can. General Scott is here to see you, Mr. President. Oh, fine. Show him in, won't you? You come in, General? Thank you, my boy. Glad to be back, Mr. President. Oh, and I'm very happy to see you. Tell me, is it peace or war? It's peace, Mr. President. Ah, that is good news, sir. I opened headquarters in Augusta and held a conference with the leaders. Governor Fairfield told me the people of Maine were not anxious to hurry the two nations into a war. And what about the Lieutenant Governor of New Brunswick? He proved to be reasonable, too. I found out that if he gave up the idea of occupying the disputed territory with a military force and trying to expel the Americans, Governor Fairfield was willing to withdraw his militia. Uh-huh. Well, were you able to arrange a truce on these terms? Yes, sir. We also arrived at the understanding that New Brunswick should take charge of the Madawaska country to the north and that Maine should have control of the Aroostook region to the south until final settlement of the boundary dispute. A most statesmanlike solution, General Scott. I'm very grateful for what you've done. When tempers are hot, it takes very little to incite men to war. Now the way is open for peaceful negotiation of the difficulties. I'm glad you were firm in what you wanted done there, Mr. President. It would have been so easy to have had events turn out differently. But, um... Do you know one thing that's been bothering me? No, General, what's that? Whatever happened to the menagerie? The menagerie? Yes. Yeah. The lions and the Arabian horses that were here when I left. <laughs> you still remember that, do you? <laughs> well, they went back to the Philadelphia Navy Yard where they were sold to the highest bidders. The money went to the Treasury Department. It didn't even come close to the amount Congress felt should be spent in return gifts. <laughs> It isn't the first money we've spent on goodwill. It won't be the last. Goodwill is always worth the investment, General. That's why I'm grateful you've been able to achieve peace and goodwill between Maine and Canada.
take my bag. I beg you. Well, John, <laughs> I might have known it. When did you get back? This morning. I drove all night. How do you like the suit? Very much. Uh, Bond Street, if you treat me with proper respect, I might let you wear it when I'm tired of it. <laughs> Why, you joker, I'll wipe up this floor with you and your fine suit. <laughs> you and who else, dear yeah. brother? Boys, 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 what is the meaning of this? Oh, thing? hello, Father. I'm home. Yes, so I notice. What are people going to say when they find I can't keep peace in my own family? Why, they'll say it's more important to do what you've done. They'll say peace between the United States and England was kept by my old man. What, what, what? I mean, my father, oh. Martin Van Buren. Ed DeCorsia speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. <laughs>